on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. ready i feel ready all right what are we doing uh it's a podcast mm. called uh the three questions oh you haven't listened to what to the this podcast <laughs> of mine called the three questions <laughs> no of course i've heard it oh well I all right it. Okay. I love it. well great thank you <laughs> i like your podcast too thanks the pal improvised ones huh that, yeah you know that yeah. i'm too scared to do improv hey wait when is this gonna be heard by people how should i know you don't know do you know huh? what Next. Next, Next week. week. Wow. Yeah, get it hot off well, the presses. Well, maybe I'll make news then and announce my new podcast. <gasps> oh, that's cool. exciting. Do it right now. Or shall I do it right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah. We're all, this is the show has started. Oh, okay. Yeah, the, yeah. Uh, so, you know. Hi, everyone. Welcome uh, to the uh, few uh, questions. Uh, uh, Andy Daly is my guest. Oh, hi. The, I mean, you knew that because it says it right on the fucking screen when you push on play. It says Andy Daly. So. Well, sometimes the podcast will just start and you haven't chosen to start it. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that's right. true. Anyhow. Autoplay. It happens to me sometimes. What Breaking was news. <laughs> <laughs> My podcast, the Andy Daly Podcast Pilot Project Podcast. Yes. Project. Uh, uh, as you know, uh, there's a character of mine named Dalton Wilcox who has tried his hand at two podcast pilots. And uh, believe it or not, one of them got picked up. And so uh, I, we are recording it now. It is called uh, Bananas for Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox. And in each episode, he uh, f- focuses on one episode of the classic television Western Bonanza. <laughs> Thank God for me, TV. <laughs> Is that where you're getting the from? No, or? they're all on YouTube. I don't know why. Oh wow! I've, I wonder every time. I'm just every every episode of Bonanza is on YouTube. I do you watch the Me TV? You know what I'm talking. about? I don't about? know what that is. It is it's a channel uh-huh. that w- what used to be UHF. Mm-hmm. You know how? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm, for kids out there, it used to TV used to just be two through. Well, you had I you think had thirteen. You had channel two, four. Five, yeah. seven, nine, eleven, and thirteen in yeah. New York. I think thirteen ended up being like that was, that was PBS, and that was VHF. That was that's well, very then, high frequency. Th- well, for me, thirteen was PBS, and then you had a separate dial. Yeah. for the UHF. That's channels. what I'm saying. That yeah. beyond thirteen, you, it had a oh, separate uh-huh. dial, yes. which was UHF. Yeah, which was your shitty channels. That was like somehow like a hundred channels, but yes. you could only clearly tune in about five of them. Right, exactly. <laughs> you had to like move uh, the actual antenna to <laughs> yeah. get them. Yeah, but that was like that's where they would show the rerun. 
reruns of the Brady Bunch, mm-hmm. uh, you know, eight times a day. And it was all yeah. re- old reruns and old movies. And that's where your kind of creature feature stuff. Yeah. So MeTV, I think it's like channel 20 here mm. on, mo- you know, on if you were had a regular TV, it'd be oh. on channel 20. Mm. And it is just old TV. Wow. It's just Columbo's oh. and Kojak's and oh. Mashes and wow. – uh, uh, my mother, the car, and <laughs> fucking uh, dragnet, uh, just like, and it is, uh, it is such like a palliative to just, yeah, like feel like, oh, this is, yeah, I w- I'm just gonna watch this episode of Canon, uh, yeah, you know, about a obese private detective. <laughs> 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 or Barnaby fucking Jones Barnaby or whatever. Jones. All I'm these sure they really old the, uh, shows. Love Boat. You know, Charlie's yeah. Angels. Wonder Woman. Like all, you know, like the Linda Carter Wonder Woman. The Incredible Woman. Hulk? Uh, the Incredible Hulk is oh, on there sometimes wow. too. But it's just, it's like I, I watch it show. all the time, you know. Uh, but I'm sure the commercials are modern commercials, huh? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If yeah. they had the old commercials on there, that'd be that would be amazing. It's fantastic because like the Wonder Woman, like I hadn't mm-hmm. seen Wonder Woman since... I was a child, uh-huh. the Linda Carter woman. And A, Linda Carter has, I mean, I'm not, you know, she's a buxom, beautiful woman. Yes. But beyond that, she has the most winning, charismatic energy. Wow. Uh, yeah, really, like, I just I don't like, think I wow, ever watched uh, why Wonder isn't Woman. She, yeah. I mean, I'm, yeah. Yeah, I know. I think it was like, it was either for... Uh, post-pubescent boys yeah. or girls. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I don't think I was either one of those things at the time. <laughs> uh, but what's hilarious is that, like, her main accomplice is Lyle Wagoner. Oh, uh-huh. And there was I was watching one episode, and they parachuted in to, like, some evil guy's <laughs> island where he was literally trying to control the weather. Uh, <laughs> literally, that was their plot point. And she, they, they parachuted in. Lyle Wagner was wearing a sports shirt open at the collar with gold chains, oh. Sanzibelt slacks, and zip-up <laughs> boots. <laughs> and she was wearing like, like you know, like a a, a a blouse like tied at the center. Oh, she's trying to blend in. Yeah, or yeah. no, like, no, just no. They looked like they were going to lunch, oh. and she had high heels on. <laughs> she had like heels on, and she's parachuting in. <sighs> In high heels. And not only – they weren't, like, trying to blend in. It's a military encampment. And they oh. were just wearing, like, casual clothes. Okay. To, you know. What was Lyle Wagner's job in her he world? He was, like, a secret agent that, oh. you know, facilitated – because I like, wondered what, why he was a famous person now. Because I, I would see him on Carol Burnett, and it would be kind of yeah. – And Lyle Wagner. Yeah. I'd be like, what? He just was a handsome just, sort of yeah. utility player here. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And now people – I don't know how many – a lot of people know this, but he, uh, now virtually every – rental uh, uh, trailer trailer in town is is his. Yeah. I think Uh, about whenever I'm in one of those Verde trailers, which are the nice ones. Yeah, yeah. I am thinking like, I don't know if this is Lyle. I think this is Lyle's competition (laughs) and I feel bad. I I have no idea if he's still with us. Yeah. The the life of living in a trailer. I mean, it's really fun, (laughs) but there is, boy, they sure do run the gamut. They're very heavy on the uh, Southwest motif. Yeah, that's for sure. Really, really, yeah. uh, Bones of uh, steers and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. A lot of cow skull art and and, uh, sort of, you know, uh, Navajo print. My big beef with trailers is I, I... Want some place to sit and eat my breakfast where I don't have to stare at myself in a mirror. Oh, <laughs> that's all I want out of a trailer. Right, right, right. Some place to sit with a table that's not right in front of a mirror. You could uh, request that they like 
spray paint it black or yeah. tape up things. So I'm, I'm like one yourself. big gig away from being able to say something like that. <laughs> <laughs> and have been for oh, 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> when I, I was on a uh, when I was on the show Quintuplets, uh, I was in a trailer, uh, and it was a two banger. I ha- yeah, as they mm-hmm. call it, it yeah. was there was it was halved, yeah. and on the other half was Rebecca Kreskoff, my TV wife, mm-hmm. and mine <laughs> the the roof of it, the ceiling of it, was covered in black mold. Oh, that's not good. Yeah, and I kept saying because you know I'm I'm not a well at the t- I mean now I would say something, but at the yeah. time I'd say to like the Teamsters because it's Teamsters that yeah. are in charge. I'd say like, I'd say like. There's there's a lot of mold on the ceiling of my trailer, and they'd be like, "All right, we'll look at it." And then nothing happened, and nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And about four weeks in, like one of the production managers had something that she wanted to ask me, mm-hmm. and she stepped into my tray. Uh, she knocked, and and I said, "Yeah, come in." She stepped in, and she went, "Oh my god, <laughs> the ceiling of this trailer!" She's like, "Oh my god!" And I was like, "Yeah, I've been saying stuff," and she's like, "This just can't be." <laughs> like the next day, there was a brand new one because it's like a grown up saw it, right? You know, someone who has respect for you, yeah, unlike yeah. yourself. Yeah, yeah. I had another mm-hmm. trailer uh, on another show that literally smelled like shit. Oh, yeah. Smelled like someone just had just freshly dumped in there mm. constantly. And I would tell, <laughs> I would tell the the transpo guys, and they go, "Okay, we'll check it out." Mm. And then they'd say, "We took care of it." And I'd go back, and what they had done is <laughs> taken a can of raspberry scented uh-huh. air freshener, <laughs> just like emptied the, it, <laughs> and just emptied it, so it smelled like shit with like raspberry <laughs> syrup on it. And that that ended up being like the entire plumbing system was full of rot and mold <sighs> oh, on that boy. one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Anyhow, oh well. Where are you from? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you and I have known each other for a million years, and you're yeah. uh, and I, I, uh, I haven't buttered you up yet, but you're one of my favorite oh. people on earth. Oh my god! And that's not just because you're a brilliantly funny person, but you're also one of the most genuinely kind and moral people mm. that I know. Hmm. Which is why all it's all the more striking that most of your characters are just fucking creeps. Yeah. Angry, <laughs> pervert creeps. Yeah, horrifying monsters. How does that happen? Yeah. Did, are you, I mean, when you started coming up with pervert creeps, oh. were you aware of like, oh, this might be some off-gassing? Uh, <laughs> no. No? I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, but it, it might be. Yeah. But I think... Um, I, I think it began from a p- understanding that when I take the stage, I look like Howdy Doody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then realizing that it would be fun. To be to, gross. Yeah, to start out that way and then to surprise the audience by taking a turn into something dark or disgusting or disturbing or yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, and I just really have always enjoyed playing with that. But then, you know, I, I have since come to understand that, like um, – narcissism is a real topic for me. Like it's really, I'm very, very interested in narcissism. And, you know, Meryl Marco uh, has written a lot about narcissism and she has really um, pointed out that some of our favorite comic characters are narcissists. Uh-huh. Like, like almost Virtually every, every yes. Bill Murray character. <laughs> yeah. Every Bill Murray character is a fucking prick. Yeah. I mean, every sitcom has a, you know, like uh, obviously George Costanza is a perfect example of like a, of a, a total narcissist, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so she, she has a, I think it's a web, I don't know if she's still doing it, but called Narcissists Say the Darndest Things, where people can kind of send in 
things that narcissists have said to them that are so ridiculous, but they they truly mean it, and it's something that a character would say in a comedy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah. So anyway, that that all sort of got me thinking about the inherent hilariousness of people who are just into their own thing mm-hmm. and have and have been so unwilling to see other people that they have become delusional, you know, which yeah, I think happens. Yeah. And we see it with the president who's like a poster child for narcissistic right, right, right. personality yeah. disorder. He's just, he, he, he is so immune to uh, critical thinking and, <laughs> and information that is not of his own creation that, uh, that he's no longer in touch with the, the yeah, world. Yeah, there's no the truth other living. than just what makes him feel good. Yeah. yeah. You remember that book, The Corrections by Jonathan Franzen? Yes, there's yes. One- Never read it. Oh, okay. I've got a very bad thing with attention span and reading. Me too. Yeah, yeah. Big time. But yeah. I, so every once in a while, I'll power through a book. And, uh, <laughs> good for and you. This was a long time ago. I read that book and there's a line in there, one of the characters says something about, I forget all the context, but that his parents... Um, brought him into the world without asking his opinion, <laughs> which yep, I, yep. that really struck a chord with me. And I really do think that like for, for our own purposes, my wife and I created these two people and brought them into this place. And like, I owe them an apology for that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but it's not that bad. <laughs> it's not that bad. Yeah, but it does Glendale's all right. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I think, but I, but I do feel like I invited you to a party. I, I think I had, I'd better accommodate you to some extent. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. As a, and I don't I understand think, that. I don't yeah. think that that was the the sensibility that my parents had, who were just like, you know, we're creating a family, and the family is doing this, and we go to church on Sundays, and you play baseball on Saturday. This is what we're doing, and you got to get with it. Yeah. And and what you know, I just you you can't tie your shoes. Uh, <laughs> you know, figure it out. Yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? Stuff like as opposed to like, if one of my kids is really late to learn how I didn't I didn't learn how to tie my shoes until I was twenty seven. Tell me, tell me. <laughs> Tell the story <laughs> about playing basketball. I yeah. fucking love oh, the story. Oh, I must have told that recently. Um, yeah, I I could not learn. There were two things I could not learn how to do: tell time and tie my shoes. And both of them were when I was taught, quote unquote, to do them. I was too. I wasn't there. I was too. I wasn't ready. Scattered. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, and it was so frustrating to me that I then, for a long time, said, "Forget it. I'm not going to try." to know how to do that. And so my shoes, I just like asked somebody to double knot them and then slip them on and off all the time for, <laughs> for a long time. And then, um, I was till like what, eight. um, I figured out my own way of tying shoes in probably like late in high school. And wow. then, yeah. And it was not until literally I was 27 years old and the woman who is now my wife, uh, we were talking about the fact that like I never really properly learned how to tie my shoes and she showed me. (laughs) (laughs) That is hot. Oh my God, that is hot. Probably after that, it was just madness. Just all four walls. (laughs) But yeah, I- I, Is that why you married her just because- (laughs) (laughs) I've exposed myself to this woman now. Pretty much. <laughs> we need to keep this bond yeah, of yeah. trust between Shush. us. <laughs> you be quiet. You're I, sworn to secrecy. I know if we break up, the first thing she's going to tell everybody is, you know, I ta- taught him how to tie his shoes. 
Oh my uh, god! Yeah. And there's Velcro too. You could just like sit, you that know, was part. Like, I did the Velcro thing for a little while, but that's yeah, 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 yeah exactly. You just feel like a doesn't retiree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But tell it back. Oh yeah. Basketball. So I was on a basketball team, and uh, as a kid, you know, like, and I wasn't any what good. Age? Great. Um, I was like nine or ten. I was at least ten because we were living in the new house. Ten or eleven. So, and uh, yeah, and our team did well. Not no thanks to me, but we were you know in the big like final game, and this was all the parents came to it. And this gymnasium was super crowded, and my shoe came untied, and I think the ref blew his whistle like, "Whoa, stop! We got an untied shoe." And the expectation amongst all these hundreds of people watching this is that I'm going to bend down and tie my shoe. But I had to say to the ref, "I, I don't know. I don't know." <laughs> and right at the center of the court, he had to get down and tie my shoe for me. And it was, uh, yeah, well, I remember oh, wow. that. It was memorable. <laughs> that is just like, that's like, yeah. so, oh, my God. It just, you know, that's got to be in a movie sometime because, oh, my God. Just yeah. the, who cannot relate to like, oh, yes, my greatest fear mm. in front of an entire <laughs> gymnasium. <laughs> oh, that's so hilarious. And then telling time, uh, I was a junior in high school, and I realized I, I wore a digital watch. I asked my parents for a digital watch a long time before that. And I was just like, you know, I have been avoiding looking at clocks. Like, truly, I don't look at them. Yeah. And I was sitting in a classroom, and I was bored, and I was like, all right, you know what? And it took courage. I remember it taking courage. And I said, I'm going to look at that clock. Every room I'm in all day has a clock on the wall, yeah. <laughs> and I'm studiously avoiding looking at yeah, it. Yeah. And I'm going to look at it and figure out what's going on there. And within a minute, yeah, you know, right, it's obvious what's happening on yeah, a clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it did make me think, like, in a way, why teach – a young child, how to do that at a point when it's challenging to their brain. At some point, they'll look at it and know what it's, what it's doing. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. And also, too, it does, like, th th there's no reason that is every clock in the world isn't digital. That's true. There's just no reason. That, that is true. That's, you know, nowadays. Mm -hmm. Other, It's just purely aesthetic, but, you know. Yeah. But, but anyway, when I think about, like, my childhood and the fact that I was a kid with those kinds of issues, yeah, like, yeah. I, I think I was I was probably a kid that needed a, some individualized uh, attention. I don't really? Know. Yeah, right? Like, I, yeah, and plus, I, I now know that I have ADD, and so yeah, I was yeah. that all through school, and... So how was homework? Did you? Because I I had I couldn't do homework. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't really do homework. I had you know it was yeah. a huge. I mean, it being uh, whenever you know third, fourth grade or what it would have been third or fourth because mm -hmm. the house we lived in. Mm -hmm. But like my mother set up in our unfinished basement mm -hmm. a, a desk against a cement wall. Mm. So there'd be absolutely just no distraction. Yeah. Wow. And I'd sit there with just dumb fucking worksheets at the time I knew like, oh yeah, this is no big deal. Mm. And I just could not do it. I could, I'd go like, okay, I'd work up this nerve, like, okay, come on, come on. Mm. And I mean, I probably was down there for an hour and a half and it, but it felt at the time, like every night was six hours of just mm. existential struggle of wow. why am I so broken that mm. I can't do this thing? And then I go, come on, you're going to do it. Okay. First question, you know, whatever the fuck it is. And like, okay, uh, the, the, do this. And then like, oh my God, I can't do this anymore. Uh, yeah. I just, it's awful. I can't do it. And, yeah. Uh, and oh, it was just ridiculous, you know? Me too. But my, my parents sort of took the opposite approach in a way, which is my dad is a huge TV fan. 
And uh, so the TV was always on. And then I was given a TV for my own room. Wow. Uh, and a desk to do homework. But it was a little tiny black and white TV. And I would just go up there and watch TV all night. And, th- you know, they were furious about my grades all the time. Yeah, yeah. But at no point did anybody say, we're taking the TV away. <laughs> right, right. Were you flunking or was it C's and D's? and? Yeah, a lot of C's and D's. And yeah, yeah. sometimes, sometimes there'd be a... An F. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I was just always completely lost in math and science. Just yeah. never knew what the hell was going on. And just really late, in, you know, 100 pages behind in the book that everybody's reading in English and three weeks late with the yeah. history paper and all that stuff. I just couldn't, could not, I could not do the things. And do you, were either of your siblings this way? Mm, I don't think, maybe my, my little brother is eight years younger than me. And so I'm a little, I you know, I don't really know quite all the aspects of his experience. But my older brother was was on the ball, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Got good grades. Yeah. 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 He got good grades. Do you think Mm -hmm. being a male kid has anything to do with like, you know, like who you are as, you know, kind of a people pleaser? You know, I mean, as someone who aligns yourself with, you know, do you think that that middle child were you, did you serve that sort of like middle child keeping everybody happy role in your house? Yes, for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And my, my older brother um, used to really argue with my parents. And he, yeah. he used to fight for things, uh, which the, I would then benefit from. Uh, <laughs> you know, like, for instance, when he decided he didn't want to do Sunday school anymore, he laid out the case to my parents and, and duped it out and argued it and won. And then I, three years younger than him, also no longer had to go to Sunday school anymore. So I got out of it three years earlier than him. Wow. The kind of thing that just like sticks in his craw a little bit even yeah, to this yeah. day, I think. Um, but I didn't have to ever play that role in the house. I could yeah. just be – I could be – Mr. Friendly. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, it was a big deal to, at the age of eight, go from the baby and the pest and the funny, you know, to now- The darling. Yeah, to now there's a new baby. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then when you're like, yeah, and then when you're like 14, he's six, you're like really cute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And you're just all misshapen, big ears and big nose and yeah. Yeah, and we had to get rid of our dog when he was born, and we had to move when he was born, and, you know. Yeah. Really? Why get yeah. rid of the dog? Uh, the dog was a baby biter? Uh, yes, actually. Really? Yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the that dog, dog loves biting babies. The story of this dog, I think this is a very 70s thing. Like, we were allergic to a cat, and so uh, my parents decided to get a poodle, right? Like a, a sure. hair dog. Right, right. A fur dog. And so the, my dad went through the classified section of the paper and found somebody who was, like, getting rid of their poodle and we went to go pick up this dog and it was a married couple and their and their child who was a year or two older than me and he was not on board with getting rid of the dog at all to the point where he locked himself in the bathroom with the dog <laughs> whose name was I.W. Harper the third which Jesus is Christ but that's that's a liquor I.W. Harper it is yeah and <laughs> and this is the third dog they named after yeah, this yeah, liquor yeah. I guess <laughs> So. Other two just, I don't know what happened to him. <laughs> so somehow the dad g- gets the dog out from the, behind the bathroom door and we brought it home and he just, he liked my dad, but didn't like anybody else and, and would growl and sort of snap at me anytime I tried to be affectionate. To my parents say we had the dog for three years, but we have one photo of it. I can't believe it was three years. But anyway, <laughs> the day that my dad, the baby is coming and it's clear that the dog is going to bite the baby. <coughs> and uh, so my dad puts an ad in the classifieds. We're getting rid of this poodle. 
poodle and some guy shows up to give it to his mother-in-law <laughs> and I lock myself in the bathroom with the dog thinking like, well, this is what you do is, yeah, yeah. when they come to take your dog away. <laughs> but my heart wasn't in it. Yeah, yeah. And my dad was just like, come on. Get come on. You know, you, you know you're not that sad. Yeah, this is not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I'd say that's crazy to me. Like, yeah, we want a dog. Uh, here's one. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I don't know. No sort of like <laughs> vetting in any way. Like, maybe you should check out if it won't bite your child. I don't know if that was a 70s thing. We'll find a dog in the classified section. Wow. Seems strange to me. Now, uh, as a kid, are you a performer or are you, I mean, does yeah. that come out, start to come out? Are you a performer at home? Are you like the, the funny one? Um, yeah, I used to put on tap dance shows on the hearth. I was a big Gene Kelly fan. Nice. And, uh, yeah, I, I tried real to Real tap shoes or just fake No, tap I shoes? didn't have real tap yeah, shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then at school, I was, I liked to be funny and I also really liked to make the teachers laugh. Like yeah. that to me was my favorite thing. And so in first grade, um, this teacher recommended that I take a drama class because I was, you know, I was a ham. Uh, and I didn't take that drama class because I imagined myself in wearing tights and singing somehow. And I didn't, I didn't want to do either of those things. <laughs> Whereas now, try and get you out of the tights yeah. and stop well, you I, from singing. I think it's because we went to see Peter Pan on Broadway and uh -oh. Sandy Duncan was up there in these tights and singing and stuff. And I, I was just like, well, I don't That's wanna, what it is. I don't want to do that. <laughs> not, that was, not a real man like me. Yeah. Not a he-man <laughs> like me. But that production of Peter Pan was very memorable to me because Captain Hook, at some point in the show, he's out in front of the curtain with Smee, uh, uh, probably while they're changing over from the nursery to the uh, Neverland. Ship or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's given a speech kind of directly to the audience or whatever. And he says, I'm going to get that Peter Pan. And a little boy in the audience yelled, no, you're not. <laughs> and he, or no, you won't. And he goes, oh, yes, I will. And the place went bananas yeah. for this one like little minor unscripted moment and it was so exciting yeah. and I remember it to this day of just like he was so in character he seemed like he was expecting it it didn't throw him for one second it was yeah, like yeah, yeah. an amazing moment and I later my mom keeps all the playbills and I saw recently that that was James Hewitt who uh, would go on to replace Hervé Villachez on Fantasy Island and then play Mr. Belvedere. Oh, and, my goodness. Yeah. And at the time that he played Captain Hook, he was like Royal Shakespeare Company. He had an amazing resume at that yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, that uh, – yeah. I, I uh, That stuck in my mind. Made That's, that was your first notion that you wanted to be an improviser. Yeah, I think so, yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. John, mm -hmm. John, John, John Waters says that uh, 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 <laughs> that Captain Hook was his first gay role model. <laughs> <laughs> the Captain Hook in in the Disney yeah. movie. It's well, like, you know that. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah. Very, very funny James Adomian bit about gay villains. Yes, oh yes. My God. Well, remember when you and I took our daughters to Disneyland mm -hmm. and it was gay day. Yes. And the only characters we saw were all the villains. They brought out all the villains yeah, on gay day. Yeah, it was Captain yeah. Hook and Ursula. Uh-huh. And, and Maleficent. And Maleficent uh -huh. and the one from uh, Cruella de Vil. Right, right, right. And I was like, this has got to be... <laughs> Yeah. Design. They know what they're doing. Yeah, they know yeah. what they're doing. They know they know their their audience and uh, and <laughs> and I actually I said something about it online because we were tweeting about it. Oh uh, yeah, we were live tweeting. Our, we were live tweeting our yeah, gay day, our, uh, our accidental gay day, right? <laughs> uh, which um, another thing I loved is about three times moms came up to you about your daughter to say. 
uh, does she have sunscreen? <laughs> Like, you stupid gay dad don't know that your fair daughter will roast in the sun. Does she have sunscreen? I am well aware of the problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She is slathered, ma'am. <laughs> um, but I said something about the villains, and there were people that were just absolutely indignant about mm. that. Like, no, they do. Like, why wouldn't they? Yeah. You know? Right. I don't know. Yeah. Anyhow, yeah. um, so were you in plays in school? Did you start performing like that? I mean, are you? Yeah, well, uh, we, there was some play in third grade, and then uh, and then I was I was the fire truck and the Velveteen Rabbit in fifth grade, right? And, sure. and I improvised a little bit in the, on oh, the show boy. night. Yeah, you know, wow. I did. <laughs> I did. My my one line got a laugh, and then I, I said something like, "Yeah, I, I that something." So I made a comment out of character about how funny I thought the line was too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, That's a good one. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, something yeah. like that. And then, uh, yeah, and then I was a pl- in in junior high. I was in the play every year and took a drama class in junior high. And was just yeah, always always doing that. Yeah. However, uh, my high school had did five plays a year, which is kind Jesus of Christ. Yeah, there was a guy from another town who would this, this guy named Brian Ashinger who was like. I mean, six five and obese, and just this booming voice. And he taught music at some other school, and he would come to our school after school every day, and and put up five good productions. Wow! And my sophomore year was my first year at high school for stupid reasons, but they uh, public high school. Yeah, public high school. Yeah, and I was in four of the five shows, and I was the lead in one. But my grades were so bad that my parents forbade me from doing theater. <laughs> and oh, wow. after that, they told me I couldn't do it anymore. And so that's when I started to um, do – we also had a television production class uh-huh. at, at my high school. The local cable access was located in the high school. And so there was like – there was a switcher and there were cameras and a, a makeshift studio. And uh, that's when I started doing that in yeah. my after school hours, which might – you know – because I was making my own schedule now. It wasn't like I have to be at rehearsal and there's a play that you're going to find out about. It was I. It was like acting and writing on the sly. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you were doing schoolwork. You were working after school on schoolwork. Uh, sure, That's, yes. Yeah, I mean, to your, as yes, far as your right. parents uh-huh. knew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a study group. I yeah, know there's yeah, a study yeah. group and we work very hard. Really getting those grades up there. <laughs> I don't know if it'll be reflected in the report card, but we're really working hard. So junior, senior year, there are no plays at all, just just the TV production stuff? Yeah. And was yeah. it was it theatrical stuff or was it more sort of like in this morning's, you know, lunch lady news? Um, it was the, there was, there was some of that. I did a game show that was a, a total rip off of remote control remember remote mm-hmm. control um like a comedy game show and then uh, you know andy blitz and i went to high school together and we both did. oh i didn't know oh, that. you didn't know that i did not know andy that. andy blitz and i graduated andy blitz is a, a comedy writer he was a conan writer and has mm-hmm. gone on to do lots of different things and worked on um, worked on, on review review on mm-hmm. your show yeah yeah he and i were buddies in high school we very met funny guy 10th, yeah very funny oh my god yeah we met in 10th grade and then and so he and i collaborated on sketch comedy and and made sketch shows yeah yeah yeah, yeah on video that's uh, funny that you, yeah. it was andy and andy because the first time i knew you mm. you were working with andy secunda right just, i know how many andys so that's all and I'm, here we are mm-hmm. <laughs> making podcast magic the two andys the again two Andys again yeah yeah <laughs> yeah i'm only interested in people named andy <laughs> i don't have anything in common yeah. with people who have weird you're, other names you're gunning for samberg now <laughs> he'll he will accept me yes um, so, uh, so then, uh, so you and Andy are, are, are doing that and do you kind of keep doing that through high school and then out yep. of high school? 
Yeah. Um, so I I had no interest in going to college at all. No, but uh, but then I read a biography. What were you going to do? I didn't know. I didn't know. I just knew that like I didn't want to be sitting in a classroom anymore because I was I was not good at that. Yeah. You know. Um, I didn't know what I was going to do. My parents were adamant that I go to college, sure. but uh, I did not. I didn't have any plans or thoughts until I read this biography of David Letterman that said he went to college for television and radio for communications, which I didn't know was a thing. Mm-hmm. And so I told my parents I could see myself doing that, and they were thrilled. <laughs> and uh, so I ended up going to Ithaca College because it has uh, television, radio program, a good communications program, which I did not get into because my grades weren't good enough. Um, But I was in proximity to that world of – so I did – there was a sketch comedy show at college and I did that. And that's where I met Andy Secunda and John Bowie. Oh, wow. uh, Yeah, he was also on that show. Uh, Yeah. And uh, so you you never actually did – what was your major then? My major started off as English and my plan was to transfer into the School of Communications. When you got your grades up? Yeah, yes. But my first semester grades, I will never forget, my first semester GPA was a 1.48. Oh, my. And uh, (laughs) so that ended that. I was never going to be able to transfer into the School of Communications. Oh, gosh. I had taken an acting elective and – and I really enjoyed it. And so I was just like, well, I guess I'm, I'll audition for the theater department. And I did. I got in there. And they don't care about your grades. They didn't care about the grades. Yeah, yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Yeah. So I graduated. I was a, I was going, I was in the BFA program for a little while, and then, but I ended up graduating with a BA in drama. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the difference between the BFA and the BA? Well, the BFA. There, at least. Huh? It was. At it, Ithaca. It was, um. Uh, sort of created as as kind of a acting studio kind of pr- you were, it, it it was just basically you were moving into the theater building you were there all the time you were taking scene study classes and you were helping out on the crew and you were just fully immersed in yeah, that yeah. and that didn't work for me because I had been there a year already making friends in other departments who were you know and I wanted to be over at the you know the school of communications making my sketch show and being in student films right. and and that's where the funny people were you know the, yeah, the yeah. funny people were I, making movies did joe kim booster go to ithaca do you know i don't know because he has a similar story that mm-hmm. i think in college there was sort of the higher echelon and i think it was a it doesn't matter i just it was causing me de, uh, deja vu because uh-huh. i think he had a very similar thing where he was like yeah, I'd like to be in there. It seems more prestigious, but it doesn't seem as much fun. Yeah. 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 And I think that's – I think a lot of comedy people who go to college, like all those people who went to Emerson College and all that stuff, like they they studied television, radio, and film. Like the funny – that's that's where the funny people are. Right, Over right. there. Yeah, so yeah. that's where I wanted to be. Yeah, I think that – yeah, I went to film school and I probably mm-hmm. – it's probably very much the case because I also thought about – being in the drama, but it's like, I don't know. You know <laughs> yeah. Huh. And I took a couple, it, uh, I took a couple of acting co- classes, maybe only one, maybe a couple of, I'm trying to pad my resume. I think maybe it was just one. And I just, it would just seem so silly and boring and mm. not the kind of stuff I was interested in. And then when I got to film school, I realized, and I still feel this way, like, I don't, you know, being on stage is, it's okay. Mm-hmm. But what I really want to do is act in television and motion pictures. And mm-hmm. that's the kind of acting that, that's the technique I'm interested in learning how to do oh, better. Uh-huh. Not on Broadway, mm. you know. Yeah. You know. No, I have no interest. Doing Long Day's Journey into Night or anything. No, I'd rather yeah. like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. 
I'd yeah. rather be on season two of The Outsider. Yeah, and that the theater department at Ithaca College is very focused on New York theater as like what, what we're training you for. Sure. You know, understandably. And I was, yeah. I was always just like, well, that's not what I remember. What were your folks – what was their attitude as you're going through this? Um, they, they did not think that I should be an actor. I think they liked the idea of me getting a degree in communications, which would set me up to be like, I don't know, ad sales at a radio station yeah, or something like something a job. Like yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? Working in the newsroom. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but at, at the point it was, I came home with a 1.48 grade point average. It was like, well, whatever it takes, you know? And so I was just like, well, they'll take me in this program. And so they were, they just said, fine. And then, yeah, they, they got me a subscription to backstage as a gift when I graduated college as a kind of a, but my dad also bought me a suit as a ritualistic buying of a suit when you graduate college. Uh-huh. I think, yeah, I don't think they particularly wanted me to to pursue this. Yeah. You know. And what what was your plan? Did you have a, a yes, kind of Yes, I had a plan? solid plan. When I was around about my senior year or so, I kept reading about basically what you were up to in Chicago, yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. Like the Annoyance Theater and Too Much Light Makes the Baby Go Blind, yep. you know, the uh, and uh and Improv Olympic like there were articles being written about that kind of improv comedy boom of 1992, yeah. 93. And and I had read uh, Janet Coleman's book on the Compass Players and something wonderful right away, and of course Wired, uh, the John Belushi biography, and that, that section about Second City. And so I had become really steeped in all of that. My plan was to go to move to Chicago and just get fully involved in all of that. But I I was in debt, uh, and so I moved into my parents' basement in New Jersey. And while I was just trying to pay off credit card advances and get enough money to move to Chicago, I got involved in what New York improv scene there was and started doing stand-up. And then uh, I think kind of stupidly felt at the point at which I had enough money to move that I had put down too many roots in New York already, but I had only been there for like a year and a half meeting people and doing stuff. Um, But I just felt like I can't, I can't at this point in my life. And my career pick up and move to another city. <laughs> well, it was also kind of starting to percolate there too. In New York, it was well. Yeah. It was start. I mean, it, that was. I graduated in '93, and the UCB didn't come to New York until '96. And yeah. so, prior to that, it was all short form and like very game show, talk show, sketch comedy. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was I was doing that and stand up. You know, there was a lot of like you get five. Five good minutes, you can get a million-dollar development deal type, yeah, of, yeah, type yeah. of stuff going on. Uh, so I was trying to do that. Uh, but, yeah, it was not until the UCB came to town that some things really started to explode. Yeah. I think. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? 
Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a Now, Beck, like in college while you're doing, like, are you, are you like a party guy at all? Or, I mean, because you, you never have been as far as I've known you. Well, I. So, I mean, in yeah. tandem with these bad grades, are you fucking around? Are you yeah. just, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. quit drinking uh, in 2001. Uh-huh. Uh, prior to that, it was a big part of my life. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And I, I was thinking about this recently in some big. Because I was under 21 a lot of the time that I was drinking, and it was once you leave the dorm room, it's it can be difficult to know, like, how am I going to get drunk out in the world, <laughs> you know? So I had this habit of getting blind drunk in my room before, before heading out. Before you even go out, Which yeah. is so fucking stupid. And I would I was blackout drunk, like, every time, every weekend night, because wow. I just obliterated myself before I even left the dorm yeah you know uh so yes that was part of it <laughs> and i mean are you uh, how is your romantic life how is this impacting your romantic life oh, are you having girlfriends at all during no, this no yeah. no no <laughs> <laughs> not really not until senior year really yeah 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 because i was so much i felt like i was so much in in the scrum of like you know f- jockeying for friends and and for prominence on this sketch comedy show and just like all of that. I was in the world of, yeah. Yeah. And then being hammered every weekend. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's because I, yeah, that's what I would think like, yeah. Getting that drunk on a consistent basis. Mm. Doesn't make you a very sparkling conversationalist. No. Yeah. Or no. Then uh, yeah. College girls are not really looking to take on that kind of project. (laughs) (laughs) But now, now the world's your oyster. Uh, When you got out, what did you have, when you were making that money to to settle down those debts, Mm. what what kind of job is that? Oh man. Well, uh, first I waited tables at Bennigan's in Englewood, New Jersey. Lots of buttons on your, did you have like a vest with? No, this was the after buttons, they were trying to be a little classier. Oh, I see. It was khakis and uh, white white shirts. Oh, nice. With, yes, covered in barbecue sauce. Of course. White shirts, <laughs> great idea. Uh-huh. I remember I used to have to iron the shirt. And as I was ironing the shirt before my shift, I, the room just reeked of barbecue sauce. <laughs> I'm just I'm just heating up the barbecue <laughs> sauce stains on the shirt. Uh, <laughs> that was a terrible job. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like a joke, but the, when I first got there, the orientation from the general manager, he goes, he said to all these kids who were applying to wait tables at Bennigan's, he goes, uh, my wife left me. I'm not allowed to see my kids. I'm living in an apartment over a laundromat. I got nothing in my life except this Bennigan's, and this is going to be the best Bennigan's in the country. And if you are on board with that, welcome aboard. And if not, get out. <laughs> and wow. Like, and nobody Nobody cared about making that the best thing. Of course anywhere. not. No. Yeah, well, I had a man. I waited uh, tables at a restaurant. It was a chain, a Mexican chain called Casa Lupita, mm. uh, which was like a step up from Chi-Chi's, which was our mm. other local Mexican chain. Yeah. And it was the same kind of thing where you'd get these talks about like, 
aren't you serious about making Casa Lupita the best brand it can be? And I'm like, no. Absolutely I'm not. I'm 20 years old and yeah. I don't give a fuck about any of this. They're I just want the tips. I'm trying to figure they're out. they're not that good. Yeah. And, I, and we figured out how to drink beer on the job at uh, Bennigan's. You know what I mean? There out was, of like coffee cups or yes, something? Yes, coffee yeah, cups yeah, yeah. at this, this particular station where we could refill out of the keg. And so, yeah, I was mostly hammered. <laughs> And then I got a job as a the box office manager at a little uh, equity theater in Teaneck, New Jersey. Oh, which was where I learned that thing that people learn, which is like, uh, oh, it's it's actually it's bad to be in proximity to what I want to be doing, but not doing what I want to be doing. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, uh, you can only do that for so long. And before. how long did you do that? I was there less than a year. I was there probably like yeah, nine yeah. months. And I was. I mean, was it a good living to do that? Yeah, or? it was actually. Yeah. yeah, it was decent money. They paid me they paid me too much for what i was doing which was uh, mostly just sitting alone in a building fiddling around with tickets putting tickets in envelopes it was like not much of a job right yeah but and were you there for the shows or were you able to go into the city and do your shows uh i was always going into the city yeah i was yeah. going into the city every chance i got i had my dad's old uh, chevy celebrity station wagon and would <laughs> drive it into the city and take improv classes and do whatever well who was yeah. teaching improv back then um well i got involved with this theater called chicago city limits on the upper oh, east side yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's i remember where I was, them yeah yeah that's where i was doing stuff yeah because that was they were just sort of like improv olympic <laughs> yeah mirror image kind of thing yeah. yeah and i made it into their main stage company which was we did six shows a week on the upper east side and i was paid two hundred dollars a week oh. you know so i actually was making money doing yeah that. yeah uh and then you get paid more for a touring gig and stuff like that i did that for two years oh wow yeah and did they, well, those shows were well attended? Uh, sometimes they were, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, from time to time, we'd have to cancel the 10.30 show on Friday nights. Sure. Nobody was there. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. But sometimes, yeah, they really were. They would bring in groups, and you know, because the, the company had been around since the late 70s. Yeah. Uh, and so they had they had networks of people. Who were there right bleed in. over from Chicago? Were there Chicago people yeah. that would come in? And no, no, no. The, the original founders came from Chicago and only one of them was left running the thing and the rest of them were all gone. Oh no, but I mean like somebody coming from Chicago and saying, I'm going to move to New York and oh, here's something that's similar to what I was doing in Chicago. I, I don't remember a lot of that actually. Yeah, it yeah. was mostly uh, yeah, New York community. Sean Conroy was involved there. Paul Shear was involved there as a college oh, okay. student. Um, yeah. Other folks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh, and then the UCB comes around, mm -hmm. and um, and I mean, does it kind of explode there? Because it sure felt like that. Yeah, yeah. I saw them at Luna Lounge, and they did a bit that was really funny. You know, at that time, me and Andy Secunder were the two Andys, and we were trying to do like we were trying to get into the alternative comedy sketch world. Yeah, I, I mean, I just had remember seeing the two Andys, mm -hmm. and because I'm self involved, I was like. <laughs> There, there, that's got to, I got to stop that. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, but that, and that alternative comedy world, it was funny to me because at the time mm -hmm. I had, you know, I had come from Chicago doing stuff in Chicago, but never anything, I, like, I never made any money at yeah. it. I mean, it would be like when we kind of had our own group, we would do, we'd sort of get beer money or if we... We'd get mm -hmm. a college date. We'd get some money for that, but nothing ever, you know, in any regular way. Yeah. And it always felt too 
removed from real show business. Oh, yeah. It was like our little regional, you know, yeah, fuck you're, around Yeah, you're satisfying gang. yourself yeah. entirely, yeah. And then yeah. there was this show, The Real Life Brady Bunch. It went to mm. New York, went to L.A. Mm-hmm. And that's, and again, it's removed from real show business, you know, because it's just like, yeah, they're fucking Brady Bunch episodes, yeah. you know? yeah. And they're they're funny, <laughs> yeah, they're funny, but they're also like wildly popular for a very for head scratching reasons. Like, uh-huh. oh, okay, I yeah, guess. this is not a commercial move. Yeah. yeah, and and then and I had done like I did a, a little movie, and then I and I was in Cabin Boy. Yeah, but when I got hired on Conan and came to New York, I was very. St- I mean, I was on fucking television, yeah. but I was still like incredibly intimidated. Mm-hmm. By the notion of New York, oh. you know, and even kind of, and then there would be sort of, you know, the alternative comedy scene. And mm-hmm. I would sort of, and I remember I went once because my ex-wife was reading something at a thing mm-hmm. and John Hodgman, it was the first time I ever met John Hodgman. Oh, wow. And, and he was, and he, he was very nice and very funny, but I went and watched this thing that she did. And I just, it was like this revelation of like, because I, again, I was very intimidated. I feel like, well, these are all really cool. Like, You're already on Conan new, at that point? I'm already oh, wow. on fucking television <laughs> and I'm still insecure. And I go down and I think like, oh, this is all these New York people. And they're all like, you know, like they're doing some kind of like real highbrow shit that I probably won't even get. And then I get there and I realize, oh, they're just trying to be funny. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Right. Oh my God, I know how to do that. <laughs> And it was it was just like such a revelation. And then to yeah. have the UCB guys come mm-hmm. really was a blessing for me because I had like I mean, and I you know especially early on in the Conan show, there was just no room left for anything else in your life. Oh yeah, very much. I mean, mm-hmm. I come I would come home. And, you know, and my wife at the time, I, I, I still feel bad. I just have nothing left for, mm-hmm. like, in terms of, like, just conversation yeah, yeah. Or, or being alive. It would mm-hmm. just be like. I need to zone yeah, out Yeah, and because and it wasn't only yeah. that I was working. I was working with, like, really funny fucking people yeah. and, like, getting, like, exhausted. My funny was getting exhausted. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yes. And so I would come just home. Keeping and just keeping up conversationally yeah. with a room full of hilarious, absolutely. brilliant people. And Young yeah. people who don't know, like, who don't have any separation between their work identity and their personal identity. Oh, yeah. So it's all just like <laughs> fucking mayhem. It's throwing trash cans downstairs. Yeah. It's, you know, writing, you know, big spurting dicks on the wall, like mm-hmm. of the conference room. Hiding that stays sandwiches there. in the ceiling. Hiding sandwiches <laughs> in the ceiling. More than sandwiches, like just <laughs> tons of food up in the ceiling, up in the drop ceiling of the conference room. Just madness. <laughs> uh-huh. Dumping. We had a. We had a five-gallon bucket full of uh, little rubber balls, like that you get out of a vending machine, uh-huh. like the p- oh, super, balls super balls or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. a five-gallon bucket Uh-oh. of those that we had for a bit for some reason, mm-hmm. but it just sat around for a while. And then one night, we it was you know it was probably about eight thirty, nine o'clock at night. We just dumped them on the Sixth Avenue from the ninth <laughs> floor window. It was the fucking best, and you could just and it was hilarious because oh. we would we we had started during the day just like. Throw, like kind yeah. of tossing one, one down because they would bounce and they'd bounce so high. Up to high. like the fifth floor or something. Or, yeah, yeah, that like somebody would be walking down the street and then a ball would like bounce in front of them and they'd be like, where the fuck did that come from? But the whole bucket of them was just really. What time was that? Was that oh, late? that would be in the middle of the day. That'd be like yeah. when, but the, when the whole are, bucket went down. Oh, that was like nine o'clock at night. Like okay, we wouldn't right. do that. Yeah. Like no, we're no, not no, going to do that like at rush hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we really but made sure. But some people experienced that. Oh, absolutely. Yes. There were people that were like, and they had, I mean, I guess they could 
look up and see us looking at them. But uh-huh. mostly it seemed like nobody knew where floor, this, it's where this yeah. hail, you know, it's probably yeah. like, you know, like the way there's a rain of frogs, but this was, you know, super, super balls. Yeah. That would be weird. Yeah. Yeah. You, you would talk about that for the rest of your life. <laughs> and at a certain point it would be like, yep. I don't know if this really happened. Yeah. <laughs> and then we used to do shit like, uh, you could still smoke cigarettes in that building when we first started working there. Mm -hmm. And then they shut it down. And then people would smoke in my office because I was smoking at the time, Mm -hmm. which I was not crazy about. Like, but this is the smoker's lounge. (laughs) Yeah. My office became the smoker's lounge, but Uh it was part of the, uh, of a phenomenon uh, that has, that I, that I never was anxious to change, Mm. but that was that, but it, it was a situation that existed that would, worked to my deficit hmm. which was the attitude Andy won't mind uh-huh. you know <laughs> and there were so many things that would yeah. happen at the show in those days where it's like uh, we'll get Andy in the elaborate fucking uncomfortable costume right uh, we're not sure when Conan's coming or when the other actor's going to, but get Andy into that thing. Yeah. And he, he never mind. yells at yeah. anybody. Uh, we haven't seen him yeah. snap yet. He'll be dressed as Imelda Marcos for three hours. Uh, he won't say anything because uh, he's nice, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, at a certain point, you do have to start. Oh, yeah, you have to start being a dick. Putting up yeah, some limits. A little yeah. bit, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, <laughs> Tommy Blatcho, writer on the oh show, my, God, my friend yeah. used to, we used to do a bit and like people would come into their room and, and Tommy would be sitting at the window smoking a cigarette. And um, and my bit was like, hey, have you met my new publicist? And, uh, and Tommy would go, that's me. And then he would pull open a desk drawer next to me, like uh, my desk drawer, and just take like 50 headshots of me and throw them out the window. Just throw them out the window onto 6th Avenue, fluttering down 50 of like, you know, of me. And, uh, and they were really like, getting the word out there. People would see like the, the way, you know, people would set out, set stuff out to sell like books and old purses and stuff. Oh, There'd oh, be yeah. stacks of my headshots for sale <laughs> that someone had just gathered up like, I can sell this. I so, yeah, some have been run over by taxis, but there's still good <laughs> and you you started working on the show for us yeah yeah, yeah. how that, did that how did that start um f- my understanding is uh i went to an audition for the dana carvey show oh, okay uh, i auditioned for the dana carvey show and i had a good audition and i got a call back which i did not know what the callback was going to be but it was just me sitting at a table with dana carvey and robert smigel and dino and louis ck and I think all and Robert and, and Dino and Louie, for people that don't know, had been working on the Conan show just prior to this. Right. And then they left to do the Dana Carvey show. And yeah. it was just we're just chatting and uh, I'm I'm supposed to kind of go into whatever bits or voices or whatever things I can do at this table. And it was really weird. I mean, I know that they were trying to just be like, let's just have a casual hang with these yeah, perspective yeah. actors. But, but they're I, judging you in some yeah, way. Yeah, I just wasn't there. I wasn't like on a, in, a, in a mental space to feel like, yeah, we're all equals, like creative people. I was tw- I was 25 or 24 or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they did not hire me. But, yeah. Uh, but and this was like an audition to be a cast member. Yeah, to be a cast member on the Dana And show. was that – ostensibly what it was for? Did, was that like overt that, that you knew that or did you just think it was a chit chat? No, I, I, cause I had auditioned. I had put together like five minutes of character bits to, yeah, yeah. for an initial audition. And now this was the callback. So yeah, I thought it was, I was there for an acting job and I didn't get it. But Smigel, this is just the kind of person that Robert Smigel is. He, he sort of took note of me and talked me up to other places. And he called yeah. Conan Casting and was just like, you know, we didn't hire this guy for the Dana Carvey show, but he's funny. You should use him. And so I started getting used in Conan sketches. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
So that was that was huge. It was fun. Yeah, yeah. Oh. it was a really yeah. The UCB, those guys, those initial four original members, mm-hmm. and then when they opened the theater and it opened it up to you guys. I mean, we really benefited from that because. Yeah. It was. It was. I've talked about it before in here. It, it was hard to find mm. really, truly funny people, mm-hmm. like funny people in the way that we want them to be funny. You know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Because that idea of like grounding some ground, grounding the things that need to be grounded so that the funny things can be funny, was. Not a new idea, but it, it was clarified by the UCB guys when they came yeah. to town and started talking about truth and comedy yeah, yeah. and the incongruous element and all that. Um, it was what was happening in the alternative comedy scene. There were so many bits that were a plant in the audience, you know, like yeah. like if you went to Rebar before Luna Lounge, you would see like three bits that had plants in the audience. Yeah, and it, yeah, and it was yeah. all about like, how much can you fool me into thinking that this breakdown in your bit is actually happening? And and so that that was that idea of like, we're, I'm really committing to this moment and I'm trying to ground it as best I can. And you needed that. You very often needed that at Conan. And so I, I, I'm not surprised that 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 world you know spawned so many people who could do that and i because and i did a lot of bits that glazer wrote and glaze so many of glazer's bits are all about just the the total deadpan yeah yeah commitment to this reality yeah and and i had, john glazer who yeah. uh did uh uh Delocate, what was it? Yeah, delocated. Delocated, yeah. Yeah. And Glazer loves gear. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Very funny other, guy. That's something about a werewolf. Yeah, oh, right. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. I forget. Look, it. Google it, people. Yeah, like, yeah. so funny. Oh. Uh, and then, and then from there was was Mad TV the next thing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What Mad year TV was that? Had, that was uh, two thousand, fall of two thousand. Okay. Mad TV. And how long it had been on? Did it just start? No, Mad TV. I think premiered in ninety six. Okay. Or four, maybe ninety. Yeah, ninety four. Yeah. So this was the sixth season, uh, and yeah, that was a weird one. They. Uh, <laughs> that's what brought you to L.A., correct? That's what brought. Well, no, I, I had come out to do a pilot season. So twenty years ago today. Oh wow! I was sitting in a uh, in a duplex on Glendale Boulevard, up the street from the Astro Family Diner, wondering why I wasn't getting any auditions. <laughs> <laughs> that was my pilot season. Was it in LA. just? Did you take a rent out an apartment? Did you take a lease? And- I was planning to stay in the guest room of an old high school friend who had apparently not run that by her live-in boyfriend. Oh boy! And so I arrived, and he, <laughs> I slept there one. One night and the next morning I hear this knock on the door and it's him saying, let's go find you an apartment. <laughs> like, oh, all right. All right. So I ended up like, yeah, signing a year lease and I only wanted to be there for like two or three months. And I had to um, buy a refrigerator and a stove <laughs> and furnish it. <laughs> I was like, what's uh, happening? It was not the plan. And and then I wasn't getting any auditions. Yeah. Uh, I would literally like get dressed up in my best clothes and go down to the United Talent Agency and sit in the lobby waiting to see my agent face to face because she wasn't returning my calls. <laughs> oh my God. Can you believe that? Don't oh. do that, show business aspirants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because... Sometimes they thought I worked there because I was all I was dressed. Right, right. Nicely. You were dressed too well to yes, be talent. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and when they understood that I was an actor hoping to see my agent, they thought I was crazy, and I was. Yeah. That was a crazy thing to do. Oh my god. Yeah, but that was a bad. That was bad. And then, and prior to that, I auditioned for 
SNL in the summer of 1999, and I really worked hard on my audition for that. I got that good. And then I auditioned for Mad TV, and they were like, yeah, come come test for it. We want to hire you. And I, and I didn't want to. I actually said no. I said no like three times. And then I had that miserable pilot season, and then I said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> did you think SNL was a possibility, and is that why you were kind of – I did. Yeah. yeah, I did. And how did SNL pan out, just sort of – Tumbleweeds, I, or did you hear anything? I did. I got good feedback. I yeah. heard that uh, Garth and Seer liked me. Um, I knew Adam McKay a little bit at that time, and he was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'm hearing good things about you. Don't don't fret that you haven't heard whether you're hired or not. They haven't decided anything." I was like, "I'm in the mix," <laughs> but then nothing. Yeah, then yeah. the tumbleweeds. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I was 28 at that time, and my agent told me, if anybody asks, you're 26. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, my God. Why? <laughs> I don't know. And so, so oh my God, like that. Oh. <laughs> but that planted the idea in my mind that, like, this is it. This is my shot. You yeah. know what I mean? I'm aging out of what they're looking for right now, apparently. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, so, yeah. <laughs> when they didn't hire me, I was like, that's never happening. Is and that then, person still your agent? No. Oh, yeah, yeah. No. I wouldn't think so. <laughs> is that person still Still an agent? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh God. <laughs> so how was it? What was what was it like? Was Mad it TV? some kind of a culture shock? I mean, yeah. You know. Oh, it was a crazy. That was a crazy time. I've, I have I still struggle to contextualize it in my life and career. <laughs> you know because because it does seem different than like you know because the things that you've done. I mean, aside from review, but you know just the things that you've been in. I mean, aside from the Yogi Bear movie, uh, <laughs> but you know, like I just was watching the Eastbound and Down mm. or the Eastbound and Down pilot, oh, yeah. and just like that, you know, to be a part of that, you yeah, know, it's just yeah. like there's, you've done some like really, like work that's within your own kind of ethos. You yes, know what I mean? Yes, I have. I've been very lucky to be able to do that. That's correct. Uh, and so, Mad TV was not quite that. Yeah, and, and that's why, even though I had no job and no prospects and no plans, I said no to it three times. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah. I knew, like, I watched it and said, I don't know what I would do on that show. Yeah. I really don't. But they persisted, and I had nothing going on. So, so you know, when I took the job, they the way the contract was structured, they were offering me four episodes for twenty eight thousand dollars for four episodes, <laughs> which is sounds nice, but it's not television money, people. Uh, and uh, wait, for twenty eight grand. Total? Yes. Or tw- oh, wow. 28 for all. Yeah, that's, episodes. yeah. You know, but and I once, was- And once, every, and just so people know, once the agent and whoever gets a piece of that, it's it's very- Yeah. You know, it's 40, c- 40 cents on the dollar or something <laughs> like that. So. And by the way, so it's like an agent and a lawyer, both of whom called me and said, we weren't able to nudge them one dollar. Oh, yeah. I've been, yeah. But uh, we still expect to, yeah. Yeah, of course. 15% between right, right, two of us. Okay. But- um, yeah, I, so I thought I'm just going to go there and I'll collect that money and I'll do these four episodes and I'll get the fuck out of there and go on yeah. with the rest of my life. But something happened when I got there, which was like this desire to succeed. And it was partly they were negging me, like that's for sure. Like right. like after pursuing me so hard, yeah, yeah. they then didn't they, – they wouldn't give me a date to show up. And then when I got there, the attitude was like, oh, did we hire you? Okay, well, see if you can get on the air, I guess. You know, it was like that. <laughs> and and it, it had the desired effect, you know, yeah, yeah. of making me like, how do, how do I? Yeah, fuck me. No, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show you. <laughs> I'll smother you with success. 
How do I get on the yeah. air and make myself useful? And I did that enough in those four episodes that they then picked me up for nine more uh-huh. for the rest of that season as a featured player. And I, again, like hustled to try and get myself on the air. And meanwhile, like I'm not liking I'm not liking it. Yeah. You know, and then they brought me back for a second season, which I think I think. I think there was a weird thing where some of the more popular cast members were uh, negoti- renegotiating their contracts at the point at which my contract came up, so they didn't know who was going to be on the show the next oh, so season. Oh, just pick you up as a utility <laughs> yeah, player. They just picked, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then all those people came to terms, and then it was kind of like, uh, it really was genuinely, oh, you're back, huh? Okay. Uh, what do you do again? Like, what are your kind of, do, do you do things, do you have voices? or what? You, what you, it, was, it was a lot like that. So that whole yeah, second yeah. season was just I'm I'm a, I've got a foot out the door here clearly yeah, yeah so that was weird and I just played a lot of straight man roles which I enjoyed actually like I enjoyed being the grounding element in scenes yeah yeah I thought it's an interesting challenge right but it's not a way to stand out yeah it's like being uh, the lineman on the football team it's just like it's grunt work I, I'm and, gonna assume you're right yeah <laughs> it's all just spinal compression <laughs> Just a lot of spinal, spinal compression. compression. Yes, yeah. of, but there were great people. Rich Tallarico worked there. Tammy Sager worked there. Michael oh, wow. Coleman. Michael Coleman was yeah, there at the yeah, time. Yeah, wow. Uh, yeah, some very funny people. God, Mo Collins is so funny. Alex Borstein was there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah, funny people. And, and Blaine, did Blaine No, Blaine show? was gone by the he time He was I gone got by then. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's great. Yeah. Um, well, then, then uh, and now when you were out here, did – because one thing that always struck me about you that I found out years ago, and I think we mm-hmm. found – I found this out just walking by it with you, that you, like, when you first got out of here, you bought property. I did. You bought a townhouse. I did. I did. And that, mm-hmm. like, blew my mind, like, oh. to have that that grown-up presence of mind. Yes. You know? Right. To well, go from a one-point whatever uh-huh. grade point average <laughs> to being a property yeah. owner. Yeah. Well, that – I have to credit the woman who is now my wife yet again because uh, – I had, when, when did you guys start dating? Uh, 1998. I was 27. In Chicago? In New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In New York. Yeah, and so we were long distance at that. She was in New York and I was in L.A. And uh, and I was talking about – I had done a bunch of commercials and I had been on Mad TV now for you know, whatever – 13 episodes. So I had this money and she was like, well, don't throw money away on rent. You might as well park a bunch of that as a down payment. And then the interest is deductible. Like all the stuff I never would have known. Right, right. Her father was an accountant. And, you yeah, know. yeah. So uh, yeah, I bought a condo around the corner from what is now the UCB theater. And that's why the UCB theater is there because I used to go see shows at that theater which was this the, the Tamarin Theater? Yeah, because I I would just walk around the corner and see whatever was there. I saw yeah. some funny shows, and then uh, when the UCB came to town, they were like, "We're looking for a space," and I happened to know that that space was available and that the owners of the theater wanted to lease it out. And so I was like, well, there's a theater around oh, the corner. Wow. My house. Because a weird, a crazy. So you're totally in, uh, seeped in real estate yeah. at that time. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was a crazy Greek soap opera star who mounted an extremely expensive production of Hamlet. Uh, taking out billboards all around town, and he refurbished the Tamarin Theater as the whatever it was, the Vittorio Silviano Theater. <laughs> and the, Hamlet had one performance and closed because he he his Greek accent was so thick, nobody could understand a word he was saying. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> the LA Weekly ran a whole story about this crazy guy in his theater. But so now, all of a sudden, the theater is empty. He had leased it for a year and then just left town. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And so I 
was paying a lot of attention to the space and just saw, oh, the owners of that theater leased it out for a year to this Greek soap opera star. What's that going to be like? And then, oh, that guy has left town. Yeah, He's yeah. been run out of town Did you see rail. the show? Did you see no, that? No, oh, it was one show. It. And I I walked my dog past it like as the, the, there were all these champagne bottles. There were like a hundred champagne bottles in the lobby. And it was like opening night. And I was like, oh, we're checking that out for sure. Yeah, but yeah. Didn't get our not, chance. Not to be, yeah. <laughs> and you said we, you mean you and your dog. Yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. Me and the dog. Yeah. Hey, buddy, we're yeah. going in there. <laughs> Roker? <laughs> Rabbit? <laughs> well, so after after Mad TV, now, when do you, you and Carrie, uh, does she move out? Yeah, she came out, like, toward the end of that disaster Toward the end of Mad, yeah, yeah. When the writing is on the wall. Yeah. yeah. And were you engaged? Uh, no, we got engaged about a year after that. About a year yeah. after that, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. And uh, so what, what happens after that? Is it just kind of, you know? Yeah, that was my, uh, that was a time when I truly was depressed, <laughs> which yeah. is not something that has happened to me very often in my life. But I I was out here. I had committed to this place. I bought this condo. I, uh, I was done with Mad TV. I did not know. I still had that agent at that time who didn't still didn't want anything to do with me. <laughs> and I like I didn't know what to do or where to go or anything. And I yeah. somehow managed to survive for two years um, being like – I would audition for the principal role in a commercial and I would get hired for a like background role. <laughs> it yeah. kept happening, but I was getting paid as a principal, but I was in the background of a commercial. That, that happened a bunch of times. Yeah. And then And that's and that was at the time too when that was actually sort of lucrative. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, and then I was doing bits. I was taking all the bits that had been rejected from Mad TV and turning them into solo performance pieces uh-huh. and doing them. At, were you doing that while you were on Mad TV? Were a little you still bit. performing out in the world? Yeah. A little bit because Matt Besser had come to town and he was given Thursday nights at IO West oh, okay. to program. And so he put together a show. It was me and Pat Oswald and Brian Posehn and Jerry Minor. And Matt Besser and Daniel Schneider and Sean Conroy wow. would come and do new material every week was the idea. Yeah, yeah. So I would just uh, turn a sketch into a monologue. Oh, every, great. Every Thursday night, which became my album. But that was that was your outlet. Yeah, that yeah, was yeah. my outlet. Yeah, yeah. Um, which the album, if, if you guys don't know the album Nine Sweaters, hmm. uh, pause this and go listen to it. Because <laughs> it, is, it is truly one of my favorite comedy albums of all time. It's mm. really, really fucking funny. Mm. And, I got, and I've got to see you do those bits mm. live too, which is sort of like, it's sort of like, you know, the differences in them. Like mm. there's, like I saw you do... The 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 singing group. What is it? Oh, the skip skip skipper skip McCabe and the skip and around, the skip around gang. gang. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I saw you do the skip around gang live once. Which, is, but like mm. and like that one is the one that I remember more because it, yeah. it was just like it was a different one. It was just really meaner and sicker. Yeah, uh, than even the one that's on the album. Yeah, than yeah, the yeah, one yeah, that's yeah. on the yeah. album. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and oh my god, it was about as funny as. I've ever seen anything. Yeah, and because I, I remember seeing you around here too. Hmm. Um, like doing stuff at the old Largo mm-hmm. on Melrose, mm-hmm. or I mean on Fairfax. Yeah. And like I remember one night you did something. 
you came up and you were just a stand-up comedian that never got to anything. Yeah, right. Was there a name for that? Yeah, bit? I call him Jerry O'Hearn. Jerry O'Hearn. Mm-hmm. And is that that's not on the album though? Uh, it's on the album as a bonus track, but the but it was on the comedy Death Ray album. Oh, comedy okay. Death Ray put it on the album because oh my god, it's just mm-hmm. like like I couldn't believe it because you do absolutely nothing. Yeah, I never and say anything. Fucking <laughs> screaming! It's all stuff like, have you been? I mean, come on, the world's crazy, right. and just like that. And <laughs> Did you see this? This was interesting. I mean, these people are like, you know, walking around going, hey, what about this? I'm sitting here going, all right, knock it off. You know what? You know, it's just like, what are you talking about? Oh my God. I fucking howled when I saw that. I was like, oh my God. I remember never, that night at Largo. I never yeah. laughed at nothing more than that. <laughs> that. Yeah. It went well that night at Largo. Yeah. 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 That's a fun, that's a fun. And, and that came from a, a bit that Andy Secunda and I used to do on the subway where I would challenge myself on the, on the ride from like Union Square out to the Lorimer Street stop on the L to talk for as long as I could without ever getting to a point just yeah, to see yeah. if I could just to and I'm, I'm just be on the pale at this point for someone to say that to me I mean here I am going what is happening you know, just <laughs> in that voice just to I don't know just for fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so funny on May 10th Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. They stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. Can't you tell my love's a grow? So the, that becomes the album. Yeah. And then uh, what what hits, what hits stops the dry spell? Uh, it was, again, Matt Besser. He created the show Crossballs for oh, Comedy yes. Central and asked me to be on it. And that was like, it, it uh, what's the way to say it? It just washed away all of the mad TV self-doubt and, and the square peg round hole of that because it was yeah. – that was that was a great show because I'm coming on as a character with a ridiculous point of view that I'm trying to convince a real person yes. that that I am an actual person who truly believes this, and so it was it was just such an exercise in burying your punchlines. Yes, you know what yes. I mean, and uh, like not yeah, not let not not being overtly jokey. Yes, yeah. The, the last thing you want them to do is say, "Oh, this is a comedian." And yeah, this, this is, is a, a bit. bit. Yeah. yeah, and and we had written really really funny things for me to say, you know, for everybody to say, and so to to just kind of deliver a punchline in a way that the person would never guess that it was a pre-written jokey yep. punchline was a wonderful. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wonderful experience. Yeah, that show, I mean, for people who don't know that show, I, I don't know if it exists anywhere. I think- Maybe Comedy Central website or something, but- I, I recall Besser put it online somewhere. Maybe it's UCB yeah, Comedy or YouTube it, or something. It was meant to be a point-counterpoint show with real- There would be one real panelist mm-hmm. assuming one view and then a ridiculous character 
Yes. Assuming uh, a, a, just a ridiculous opposing point. Right. Um, which it's the it is the kind of comedy though that makes me so uncomfortable as someone that's so nervous about pranks. Oh, me too. Yeah. Oh my god! Whenever I prank, I just identify with the pranker or the pranky, not the pranker, yeah. and it just makes I feel so like oh, this poor person, mm-hmm. they're just living their lives, and we're laughing at like how. Ha ha, they don't get it. Like, well, why would they? Yeah. You know? I mean, there was an attempt on that show to bring in people who, in one way or another, kind of deserved it. They were kind of asking for it. Yeah, yeah. But I did, I definitely, I remember the day that we were writing this show and having so much fun, and it suddenly dawned on me, oh, there's also going to be a real person there who's getting screwed over. Yeah, yeah. And I wish that element wasn't here because this yeah. is a really funny sketch show without that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and you did, there was an arm, uh, the, the one thing that stands out to me from that show, aside from how funny and uncomfortable it was, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, the two things like both being wonderfully in equal proportion mm-hmm. um, was that you played an old man and I don't think you had any makeup on. No, I had no makeup. You I just, just had like a bucket hat yeah. and, <laughs> and a bad lighting <laughs> and a thick pair of glasses and you played this filthy old man mm-hmm. and I was just and amazed. And I was sitting next to an actual old woman who yeah. was my wife. And nobody yeah. b- could no. believe it. Nobody, no, or nobody, nobody questioned the yeah. fact like, no, that guy's 34 years old <laughs> exactly. or 33 yeah, years old. That's about right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that was amazing. I remember you know, he was talking about how senior citizens are better drivers than young people. And one of the lines was, uh, I'm not going to get distracted by seeing a friend on the street because everybody I know is dead. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. That was fantastic. So uh, and then from there, how long does how long until review? A long time. That was 2004, and then and then the next year I got to do that episode of The Office, and then yeah. and then uh, Sammy Pro, which we did oh, together. Right, right. Which yep. I had so much fun working with you on that. That was a lot of fun. That was a fun movie. We did. We were though stuck for about was it four weeks. Yep. That all the basketball scenes were shot in a armory that is on the like an armory fire department kind of yeah. training facility mm-hmm. that's. Uh, right down the hill from Dodger Stadium. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, Will Arnett, and me were basically background for a month yeah. while they played, did all the basketball scenes. Yes, yeah. but the funny thing is that Kent uh, left the mics open. Kent for, Alterman, yeah. Kent yeah. Alterman, who directed it for an entire month. And and Will and I would just like, I don't know if anybody's listening, but we in character would just fuck around on the mics all the time. And a lot of that is in the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah, because I was the team manager. So I had to sit there like I was the timekeeper. Mm-hmm. And there was no mic on me. I just, oh, yeah. I just sat there growing ass pimples because of my... <laughs> Polyester oh, yeah. pants on the <laughs> Naugahyde chair. It was gross. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. That was that was really like a unique, fun time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Had oh. a bear on the set. Right. And that bear went on to kill somebody. Yes, I remember. Oh I boy. <laughs> Animals, people, they're the best. Uh, <laughs> and then um, it was Eastbound and Down. Oh, right. Yeah. And then, you know. And movies fun. in there, the Yogi yeah, Bear Yogi movie. Bear. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I still recommend the Yogi Bear movie just because you are, you're so fucking funny in it oh. as like the, the villain in it. Oh, man. You're the best part of it, you know? Thank you. Well, my one of my heroes is Charles Grodin. Uh, and uh, I, I watched all of his uh, villain turns. Yeah, to, yeah, and yeah. I, I don't say that I resemble or anything like right. his performances at all, but I that's I. He was inspired yeah, by, yes, it, yes, yes. or you stole things from I, him here. 
in there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> he's so good in Heaven Can Wait. People should check that out. Yeah. If you haven't seen Heaven Can Wait. Good Lord. He's so funny in that. He really is. Um, yeah. And then Review really came around in like 20, 2010, 11. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the, was the beginning of that. And it was process. an Australian show. Yes, it was an Australian show. And and for me, just uh on my doorstep, there were some DVDs of this Australian show with no explanation from my agency, and I popped them in and watched them and was like, "Oh yeah, I, I could do that. What yeah. that guy's doing, I could be I could be that guy. Is that what this is about?" Yeah, yeah. That he called? And the concept of the show for people who haven't seen it, which you should also it's on it's on oh, DVD. Oh, yes, it just came out on DVD. It's on DVD. It only it's... took me 4 years to get it out on DVD. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, wow. hard work. Yeah, yeah. I want to put yeah. out a coffee table book of all the emails that I've sent or received <laughs> on the subject of getting this DVD out over four years. As I was passed from one team to another, it was like, yeah. oh, uh, Viacom has uh, shuffled those people out of the organization right, right. that you've been talking yeah, to. Yeah, you're now dealing with Kraft Foods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so, but but to explain the the concept of that. Show. Uh, so it is a it is a reviewer. Uh, who doesn't review uh, foods, books, or movies. He reviews life experiences. And so the audience – and it's it's all scripted comedy. The audience members write in and say, what's it like to get struck by lightning? What's it like to divorce your wife? What's it like – you know, whatever. Yeah. And he just with, – with the integrity of a scientist heads out into the world to do these things. Yeah. With no regard for the impact – that these things will have on his own life or the life of others in his world. Uh, and also no regard for the fact that this is a, a completely unscientific and worthless exercise right. that never dawns on right, him. Right, right, right. <laughs> that it's, uh, yeah, because, and it, like, because it does, and it, and it elevates and elevates and elevates, mm. and it does a, a really nice job of being uh, episodic and serial at the same time, where there is, like, you watch any one episode and there is just, like, enough of that concept that's kind of fun. Mm. But then there is, like, like when it's, like, what's it like to get a divorce? And there's that, and it was, what episode is that? Like, three. Three. Mm -hmm. And then you realize, like, oh, no, this is, this is not, like, just some sort of lark that yeah. this show is doing. Like, no, this guy is really going to divorce his wife. Yeah. And leave his wife and child. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it just was uh, – it just gets really fucking serious and crazy. Yeah. You know? I mean I knew when I first saw the show, I was like, well, that's what's going to be funny about it is if like he's doing these life experiences and it doesn't reset. Like a cartoon, it's cumulative. These things happen in his life. If he gets a tattoo, we'll see it the rest of the series. Yeah. You know, and – and I knew that we wanted him to divorce his wife largely so that he could have adventures in the world that a married man wouldn't was kind of the original thought. Yeah, yeah. And the Australians did it too. But it was Jeff Blitz in the uh, – Andy Blitz's older brother, the uh, Emmy-winning director and uh, Oscar-nominated director um, who helped run the show with me, who was really like – him divorcing his wife is only going to be funny – if we really, really feel that he would never do it except for the show, that he – this is the love of his life and and he's only divorcing her because of this stupid television show. And if that is true, then in the next episode, he's he would still be trying to get her back. You know what I mean? And that that would never end. And so <laughs> it became – I didn't realize I was getting myself into this like demented love story. I yeah, never expected yeah. – I thought, you know, get rid of the wife in episode three so we can go to orgies. But <laughs> – but it's true that, like, from here on out, if it's true that he only divorced her for the show and would love to get back together with her, then that's going to inform everything going forward. And it just made the show, like, so tragic yeah. and so heavy yeah. and so fun. Because he's so committed to this stupid, stupid idea yeah. of what he's, his, you know, his raison d'etre is, mm -hmm. you know? <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, and I, I remember too. Somebody because I I really love the show. I but I didn't. I just kind of was enjoying it on the face value of it being a comedy about an idiot. Uh huh. Yeah. But it, uh, and a were, narcissist and a narcissist. Yes, but that was. Time. But then there was a review of review mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that I think you put online where somebody mentioned that like this is this show is about white male privilege. Mm-hmm. This show is about how far up their own asses white men live mm-hmm. that they think that their particular whatever their particular goal is yes. or whatever their particular crusade is mm-hmm. are is so important and it's not yeah. and they're willing to burn down the world mm-hmm. for this yeah we always said that that Forrest McNeil my the character in review had no doubt that he had the term we always use was unique insights. Yes. He was possessed of unique insights into the human experience, despite having no relevant background or education or, you know, no, there's no evidence that he has any special ability to do this. It's just something he believes. And on the strength of that belief, everything can burn down. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and does, it does. And does. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like, uh, <laughs> He kills his father-in-law or his father-in-law? Uh, oh, yes, he kills yeah, his yeah, father-in-law. Yeah. <laughs> Just fucking <laughs> awesome. Space. So awesome. That is one of the funniest fucking psychics oh. I've ever seen. Do you too. know, I'll tell you what that was based on. I think it's okay to reveal this. Um, Jeff Blitz, uh, it was Steve Carell took his family on a helicopter tour of the Grand Canyon. You, you know, you can do that. You can get in a helicopter. Yeah, sure. And – the company that did the tour then gave them a DVD when it's over, which is uh, it, it cuts just sort of automatically, like on a timer, between the family in the helicopter looking down and going, wow, and then the view. There's a camera on the underside of the helicopter, the view of the Grand Canyon. It just goes back and forth and back and forth. And one of Steve Carell's kids was vomiting the entire time. So, <laughs> so the video goes from these beautiful, tranquil shots of the Grand Canyon to a kid vomiting and everybody like reacting to vomit. And is there a bag? Give him a bag. I've got wipes. I think I have wipes in my purse. And chaos of that. And then the beautiful view yeah, of the Grand yeah, Canyon. Yeah. It's just hilarious. And so when we decided that, uh, yeah, we were going to kill Fred Willard in space, <laughs> we just, that was the original idea. And I don't even know if we ended up doing that, cutting to the beautiful view of Earth from orbit. And then cutting back into the cabin to see like a corpse floating around <laughs> zero gravity. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. Uh, now, were you aware of like sort of the greater implications of it? Like, do are you at some point do you go, well, this is about this is about male ego and this is, you know, or are you just kind of like I was quite focused on it on playing his commitment and his narcissism and his blindness and his stupidity. And I was also aware um, that it was very much a work-life balance story. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, But no, I would say it had to be pointed out to me that, that it is a story about like uh, yeah, the mediocrity of (laughs) yeah mediocrity and um, self-delusions and ego of a white male yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. Because I think that's like I I asked when he was on the show once Vince Gilligan about Breaking Bad mm-hmm. because you know how Walter White sort of turns into a sociopath. Sure. You know, I mean, and not just you know, but like you see, like that episode where you see his college friends yes. that went on to have a business, and you realize like, oh, he's fucking broken. Like he's, and mm-hmm. I asked him, I said, did you set out with that intention? He goes, no, no, that was. 
we discovered that along mm-hmm. the way. And I just kind of, that's like what's to me about making narrative television like that that's so exciting is that you you can just be in this vehicle and trying to just deal with the truth of this thing and then you're creating something that is just like its own organic form yeah growing like you know crystals in a cave or something it is that if this is true then this is also true yeah if you're gonna say that then you have to follow it through to this and in breaking bad like the fact that when they reveal that he could have gotten that money from another source yeah like that's kind of the moment when me as an audience member i go oh he wants to be doing yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? He is not, yeah. He mm-hmm. is truly an anti hero. He is a mm-hmm. bad person. Yeah. 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 It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. Anyway, check out Breaking Bad. <laughs> Well, it's also available on DVD, probably. We're winding up here pretty quick. Um, but I want to talk to you just about fatherhood. Like, mm-hmm. what, uh, you know, what. What fatherhood has done for you? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, how you kind of cope with it, how you. You know, I've never yeah. really asked anybody that before. Oh. But I just, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, I, I feel like you're not a very good father. I'm a terrible father. So I want to see, just, you know, <laughs> I want to poke around in there, see if I can't find yeah. any Yeah. No, fatherhood, fatherhood has been extraordinary to me. It's so funny to me when I think of what I thought fatherhood was going to be yeah. when we were uh, thinking of having kids. I truly, I, I guess I was just in a state of denial I was kind of like, it's not going to change much about my life, what I'm doing with my life, who I am. Um, you know, this will just be another person in our group and, and in our group. <laughs> yeah. And if there's like, um, you know, if there's any needs, I can throw money at it. I can, we can hire a nanny, can't we? And we can just like, you know, just address all of this in, in a way that my style is not going to be cramped. And then there's a period of realizing, oh no, it's a complete change of every minute of my day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Your old life is over. It is over. Yes. If you, if you do it right. Yeah. Some people don't, some people People do throw money at it and just kind of yeah like oh that it's like a dog that they kind of regret having uh-huh. you know yeah and I'm not even fucking exaggerating right. that some right. of the people that I've known out here you know yeah yeah who are unwilling to allow the fact that they've had a child change yeah. their lives yeah. significantly right um, but it completely changed my life and and there was a period of like of resenting that to be honest sure you know? followed by a period of just of gradually, not even deciding, but gradually understanding that this is the important thing. This yeah. is the important right, thing. Right, exactly. And now it's like when I think about my my career or money or anything, it's entirely about them. It's yeah. all that's the whole reason I'm leaving the house or staying in the house or doing anything. Is yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Is giving, making them happy, making them comfortable, um, making them love themselves and be prepared to get yep. into the world and and do th- and understand themselves and for me to try and understand them as well as I can, which is really. A lot, it's a lot of work to yeah. like, to under, understand a developing person is um, it takes a lot of and also because you don't really know like I I've told my son my who's my oldest like everything we go through because he's a college freshman now mm-hmm. we don't, we've never your mom and I've never had a college freshman before right so I don't you know and he'll some you know there will be times when he. He's called me this year with one problem or another, or one sort of stressor of another, and I'm like, "What do I do? I, mm. I, I got to just go with my instincts here and like, yeah." And you know, have done pretty well, but mm-hmm. it is like I, you you are met 
as a parent with times of like, holy fuck, I don't know what to say to this kid. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what to do, I, but I, I can't let them know because <laughs> this yeah. is my job and I don't want them to know that they're rudderless, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I definitely do a lot of like um, sympathizing. But yes. With, without solving. Yes. You know? uh, that's that's important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't, you know. Yeah. I don't want to come on like I like I know things I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, w- I also think, too, that like what you said, that, that, that that's what it's about. Like having your, your family and your kids and your life outside of all of this mm-hmm. that we just talked about for an hour and a half, mm-hmm. um, that that's the important stuff. And I do think that really coming to terms with that – and and where you just think what you do with your kids and your life with your family, how important that is, how it's really, truly the only important thing. And it makes all this other stuff so silly, all this showbiz stuff, all yeah. this Hollywood shit, all this publicity or whatever. Or am I going to get this job or where's my career? It makes it all seem so silly mm-hmm. and so like such frippery, you know, yeah. and – and I honestly think that that makes you better at it. Mm. That makes your work better. That mm-hmm. if you can honestly think about the nonsense of this business in, with, a, with a healthy perspective on it, yeah. you're just going to be better at it. Oh, yeah. You're just going to do right. better. You're just – people are going to want to see your stuff more, mm-hmm. you know, which is – you can't fake it. But, you know, because yeah. I, oh, I, I do see people who – a lot of this shit is just too important to them. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't fucking matter. Right. I tell, I've told people, I mean, people have told it back to me, mm-hmm. uh, like people leaving the set and, at, at, you know, after a, a Conan appearance, mm-hmm. all nervous and worried. And I've, t- and I've told numerous people, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It's just a fucking talk show appearance. It right. doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. I, yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. never, you know, there's no scientific formula that, that, that makes, that it's like, you're actually a, affecting anything yeah in so terms you might as well relax and the, enjoy theaters yourself. you know like yeah. your movie crashed because you weren't that <laughs> funny on conan right it's like no none of it matters mm-hmm. all that matters is your experience that you had going through it because especially in a show like this that's all people want to see yeah is somebody really existing and mm-hmm. really experiencing something that they're in mm-hmm. and and i you know and like i say you can't force that mm-hmm. but it is like I was trying to tell people so that they can kind of maybe come around to that notion because it's what it's what makes it best. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. I do think like if if once you, when you feel like you have your priorities right, you're you're not wasting time out of the house. So I'm only doing things that I really yep. love to do. Yep. Or that I got to do for money. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's it. And the got to do for money is fine too. Great. Yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. All right. You know. Sure. Because you know, like I'm not, I'm not tearing out chunks of my soul for this. Mm-hmm. I'm just, you know, I'll do you a good job. It's important to me to do a good job. Oh but yeah. I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna sweat it and think like, is this? I'm gonna make this Bennigan's the best Bennigan's. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of showbiz versions of somebody going like, this Bennigan's has got to be the best. No, it doesn't. They'll be fine. People will get their apps. Yeah. You know, don't worry. Well, the, the you know the second question of this is where are you going? The second question. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This was all the first question. This is the the first question. Oh, you did fine. Yeah. Oh, that fine. was the first question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Wow. 
Feels like there had to be more than one question in there. <laughs> Where am I going? I don't know. You don't know? No. You don't, are, is there a dream project you got sitting aside? Yeah, well, I'm developing right now an animated project that I'm so excited about. Yeah. And a live action project. And and But there is one kind of nagging thing nagging at me. I have a friend who is a visual artist of an apparently quite successful in that world that she tells me, which is up to, it sounds fancy. And at some point she said, uh, well, this gallery in Germany is doing a midlife retrospective on me. And I was like, oh no, not midlife, mid-career, a mid-career retrospective. I was like, oh, that's what, a, I like that. Yeah, and yeah. So it's got me percolating on some kind of a one man show that's sort of you know structured. Let us let us appraise, <laughs> <laughs> and that would be like like fake autobiographical. Like it would be about you as a yeah 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my mid career retrospective. <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. What an asshole! <laughs> and it goes back to Charles Grodin in a way because Charles Grodin did a one-man show just about his adventures in show business that became his memoir, yeah. which is now out of print, but you can find it. It would be and, so nice if you weren't here. Yes. It's really a great oh, book. It's my favorite. I mean, yeah. he ended up turning into a fucking I know. nightmare. Yes, and you can see the early signs of that in this memoir, for yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah, a lot of sure. his stories of times where he just... He just was unreasonable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and proudly unreasonable. I, one thing I always love from that book is that he talks about when he – and he went to very serious acting classes in New mm-hmm. York City. And they would ha- give him these exercises and he would go, um, why? Yes. Like, why? Why would we do that? What is this doing? And yeah. they would have no answer for him. And then he would refuse to do he it. Like, be a it. tree or whatever fucking yeah. bullshit. Or, like, you know, make the noise that anger makes. And you'd just be like, <laughs> why? I want to learn how to l- learn lines, you right. know, <laughs> tell stories. Well, that's good. Um, uh, yeah. I mean – you kind of did a, you kind of had a little bit of a advice kind of like you know what you've learned kind of thing i mean we sort of learned that talked about it you know with the with the parenting thing uh-huh um but i mean is there any is there something that you kind of wish you could tell maybe like a younger uh, your younger self or you know whether it and whether it's about this nonsense or whether it's about being a husband or yeah. a, a father or or you know I've so many people say this, I guess, but I I would definitely tell my younger self to uh, relax. Yeah. Don't worry so much about the future. And, you know, don't don't try to be guided as much by hopes, more by hopes than by fears. Yes. You know, Um, because when I think of my early days of having no idea what was coming, it was, there was not a lot of. Oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be this. There was a lot of, but what if it's this? Yeah, <laughs> what yeah, if that yeah. happens? What? And running away from f- f- frightening things. Yeah. You know, and it would just be, eh, it was just a lot of wasted time and worry and, you know. Yeah. I've, yeah. I've said about that. I would, I would tell myself, like somebody, we did a live version of this show with Rachel Dratch up in San Francisco, and somebody asked us, "What would you tell your younger selves?" And <laughs> like my my own, and I, this is one hundred percent true. It's not just it's a joke, yeah, but it's also it's like learn to like cardio more. Just oh, yeah. learn to like cardio yeah. more, and I that's uh, that's like about as good an advice I could give any young. Just if yeah. you don't like cardio, learn Find to like it. Like it. Yeah, yeah, learn to like it a little. You, it'll be <laughs> worth it. Um, but I also I the other thing that I is like. I, I, cause I think back on the younger me, like, and I was so afraid all yeah. the time mm-hmm. about what, and I don't know what I was afraid of, but I don't know 
if I could go back and not be afraid. Yeah. I think that like that coming to the notion that the, this fear was silly mm-hmm. is only because you experienced the fear. Yes. And that if you were 26 and, you know, in a condo on Glendale Boulevard and mm-hmm. being like, it's all going to be fine. Yeah. You know, right. you, you're you right. Know that you'd be in, <laughs> I needed some you'd, fear to propel you'd me. You'd be in the same place, <laughs> yeah, you know. it's. True. I think that just like there's so much ache and misery and kind of, you know, mm-hmm. stomach acid needs to be produced in order to get to a place where you know what you're doing. Yes. But maybe here's another way to put it is that is there is no point predicting. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> That's another thing. Like, because when I imagine what I thought was going to happen 20 years ago, I would not have imagined that they're, you know, streaming and, you know, all this, everything sure. that, that this business is and that you can be working and somewhat recognizable and have a fan base, but not be famous. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, you can make a living. There's yeah. a place for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Well, I love you. Oh, I, I love, love you. you very much. Thank and you're you. one of my favorite people. Mm. And um, thank God you're talented. Oh. Because it, it would be rough for me if you, <laughs> if I loved you as much as I do and you weren't talented and I have to butter you up and I would feel like such a fucking liar. Um, <laughs> but you'd do it. I would. Thank you. I would. No, shit. I, you know, listen. Yeah, yeah I got it. You know, it's, <laughs> I, can't, I can't. I can't sit here and, you know, and be like. You're good. Mm. You know, uh, I got I to gotta really butter you up. So anyways, but to plug. Oh, yeah. Review on DVD. Yes. Pick that Amazon. shit up. It's available on Amazon. Amazon. Only. Your new podcast. My new podcast, Bananas for Bonanza with Dalton Wilcox, coming eventually. Eventually. I have a new album coming out in May, I think. Oh, sweet. Yes, it's called Four More Sweaters. Nice. Monsters Take Your Questions. <laughs> and it's uh, recorded at the UCB Theater where the audience asks my characters questions. Oh, that's fantastic. It's Q&A. A lot of fun. Yes. And then, and but you have existing, uh, do you still have the the the... Cabinet of Curiosities? Are you still doing that oh, podcast? Oh, no. We're going to probably do another season of that, I okay. hope. But currently, there are not new episodes of that dropping. All right. Um, well, they exist. They exist. Yeah. It's a funny show. Yeah. 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 Cabinet of, uh, what is it called? The Great American Cabinet of Curiosities. But that's not, don't look for it like that because it is hilariously misnamed on all platforms. Oh, yeah. It's hard to find on Twitter and uh, Instagram. Yeah. But it's there on Stitcher under that Good job. Title. You're a real fucking businessman. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Andy. Thank you. And uh, love to you and yours. Likewise. And all you folks out there, love to you and yours, too. Oh. Anyway. They're talented, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No shit. Mm-hmm. I, if, listen, if you people weren't talented enough to know to listen to this stuff, mm-hmm. I don't know what I'd do. Lie. Yeah. Lie. We'll be back next time with more Three Questions. Thanks for listening. big, big love. The Three Questions with Andy Richter is a Team Coco and Earwolf production. It's produced by me, Kevin Bartelt, executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Chris Bannon and Colin Anderson at Earwolf. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, associate produced by Jen Samples and Galit Sahayek, and engineered by Will Beckton. And if you haven't already, make sure to rate and review The Three Questions with Andy Richter on Apple Podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places? Well, working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network like T-Mobile. We have America's largest 5G network, so whether you're on a video call at the park or uploading large files at a coffee shop, 
we have the 5G speed you need. Whatever takes you on the go, T-Mobile's got you covered. Find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. See 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com.